love it. I, I have had so much fun um, over this series and stuff, and, and I'm excited again tonight um, to wrap it all up uh, with some movies. And, and, and I love, I, I'm a movie guy. I, I love going to movies. Um, and, and if you, I, I look at it at the eyes through a preacher also, because every movie has some kind of like faith message. May not be our faith, but there is some kind of there is some kind of faith message. I mean, I, I I truly believe that the center of our culture at one time was the church and stuff in our towns and everything. Everything was done there, and I I argue today that the center of our culture is now the movie theater um, because it is promoting more worldview than than any other organization or anything out there and stuff and so i love being able to go see these movies and and, and i've loved this movie um it's probably one of my favorite movies that we watched um my, my wife is a nemo fan in fact that's her nickname um she got that because actually i said that in a sermon one time i like that little fin and ever since then they called her nemo and everything and so she loved that movie we love that movie and it was great and um if you haven't seen the movie i'm not going to ruin it for you um because you, you need to go see it it's it's one it's probably my favorite movie um, all summer long. But the idea of the movie is that Dory wants to go find home. She wants to go find her parents, as you saw in the preview and everything. And, and so and that's the whole key of it, is that she wants to find home. Think about that word for a second, home. I mean, it means so much to us. I, I mean, home is that place where where you, you feel safe, where, where you feel like, man, this is where I want to go. The old saying, you can never go home again, it's, it's not true. It's not true, because I believe... We go home, and there's just something special that happens. It just feels like a safe, kind, wonderful place. I remember when I was in the desert, the Desert Shield, Desert Storm, all I thought about was coming home, you know, and, and being there and stuff. And so home is this beautiful place, and I think God wired us that way. I think God wired us to be longing for something more for this family, for this community of people that are like-minded, and we're all together, and it just feels like it's a place where I'm wanted. It's a place where I'm welcomed. You know, and, and it's it's home. In, in fact, the great preacher Billy Sunday says this. He says, "Home is the place we love best and grumble the most." It, it's true. It's true. We all seek home, but at, at some time in our life, we also like, I can't wait to get out on my own. You know, as a kid, like, oh, I can't wait. I'm going to have my own home. You know, I'm, I'm going to have my own rules and all this stuff. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, because in somehow, some way, we have all left home at some time. And, and and the best part of leaving home is, is coming back. And, and tonight, I just I want to talk about this idea of the joy of returning home, because I think God wired us that way. And so, so I'm excited. Um, I hope you're excited, and we're going to have a great night. So let's pray and let's just dive in. God, I thank you so much um, for the opportunity for us just to gather again to come together. Um, God, I, I I just ask that you speak tonight. God, that it would be your words and not mine. Um, they're the only ones that matter. God, you knew exactly who would be here tonight. You knew exactly what needed to be said and what needed to happen. And so, God, um, I, I just pray I just get out of the way. And you have your way tonight in our hearts. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to respond to your word and to what you're calling us to be and do. God, we love you and we praise you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, uh, I want to talk about this whole idea of home and the joy of returning home. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So if you have a Bible, turn to Luke 15. We're staying there all night. If you don't have a Bible, we have them. Put your name in it. Keep it. Whatever you want to do, it's yours. We've got plenty and everything. But this whole idea of returning home. And I love Luke 15. Um, Luke 15, it's this great chapter 
of, of parables. And so if you don't know what a parable is, Jesus used stories. Jesus was the greatest storyteller of all time. Um, he amazing communication skills and, and just the way he communicated. But he would use these stories. And, and the idea is that there, there was a deeper meaning. There was a deeper spiritual truth in each of these stories and everything. And so people would just sit and listen to him talk. As, as he just spun these great parables and these stories and everything. And, and you probably have heard a lot of these. Um, Luke 15 is kind of the lost and found chapter in, in Luke. And, and I love it because it's the whole idea of you know, the lost coin and the lost sheep, the things that were lost and then were found again, and the rejoicing that happens with that and everything. And Jesus is going through this whole thing. But, but tonight I, I want to talk about at the end of Luke 15, probably a story that we have all heard, and it's the prodigal son. And it's different from all the other parables in it because in every other parable, with the lost coin and the lost sheep and all that stuff, it's lost on accident. But actually, the prodigal is lost on purpose. And in fact, the definition of prodigal is wasteful, the wasteful son. And I think we can find ourselves in this story in so many different places. It's such a unique story. So with me, in Luke 15, we're going to start um, where it always starts. We're home. Everything's good. But we, we lose home. We, we kind of like, well, I, I, I don't like the rules. I don't like this. I want my own way and all this stuff. And it always starts, all these stories start with rebellion. It always, don't, mom, mom, don't nod. Don't nod. <laughs> but we we'll start with rebellion. So in Luke 15, starting at verse 11, this, the story begins. And Jesus says, he, he also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to him. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. And after he spent everything, a severe famine struck that the country struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went, went to work one of the, oh, sorry. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. And so you, you've got this picture of this young man. His father's rich. His father's powerful. He's probably very popular in the community. And so everyone knows him. And he comes to says, Dad, I, I want what's mine. I, I want what's mine. And this actually was not a very uncommon practice at the time. The father at any time could take the estate and say, okay, here's, here's your share. And, everything, and divide up estate. The oldest always got the most. But then it was split down to the younger. And so the younger son, he's like, man, I, I want this. You know, Dad, I've been living here. And, and I, I, wanna, I, I need my stuff <coughs> because I, 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 I think there's something better out there. And so I, I call this the grass is greener complex. Somehow he looks and he sees in his home and he sees oh, everything that's going on. He's like, man, I'm tired of the rules. I'm tired of all the stuff that's on me. Dad, all you do is say, no, 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 I can't do this, can't do that. I, I want to be out on my own. I want to go find my freedom, you know, be a man and, and go live out. So it's got to be better over there. The only problem is a good friend always told me the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence because the grass is over a septic tank. So we've we got to be careful with what we want. You see, he, he had all this stuff, but he's like, no, no, I want, I want the freedom. I want to go. And, and like, I, and like I, I wasn't there. I just kind of feel like because I know me when I was I'm the youngest and I couldn't wait to get away and couldn't get away fast enough. You know, I went away to college just to get away. Wasn't ready for school, but I just went away to get away because I wanted to be my own person because it's always greener. It always looks better. There's freedom. And, and Dad, all it is is no. And, and my, my concern is so for so many of us that we think God is more about no than he is about yes. 
and, and we hear all the no's. But in reality, God is more about yes and blessing than he is about no. I mean, think, think for just an instant about the garden. Literally, probably thousands and thousands of beautiful trees that they could eat from anywhere. And God says, no, just this one. Don't eat from this one. Except that, that's what they paid attention to. And, and that's what we pay attention to. And so, so this is kind of, a, this is a heart issue. With this idea of leaving home and like, I, I want my own and stuff. And it, it's, it's all about me. I want it my way. My way. And stuff. And, and if you see it, sorry, in verse um. 13, where it says, not many days later, the young gathered together all the stuff, and he traveled to a distant country. I, I want you to understand, distant country is not necessarily a location. I think distant country is a heart issue. It's, it's when we start seeing, like, I, I don't like my circumstances. I don't like, I don't think my best interests are being met or what I want is being met. And so I want to go someplace else. <clears throat> and so the young man's heart was already against the father. I don't think he just woke up one night. And just said, man, I just want all my stuff and I want to go. I, I, I just, I, I think it's something that festers and builds in us. And, and so often in, in our churches, in our life, we have a place where, you know, it, it's good, but then it gets a little hard. And, and I know so many people, as soon as it gets hard, it's like, well, I don't want any more of this. It, it's got to be better over there. That, that's why, that's why I, I believe in the Claremont area that 85% of the people don't go to church. And yet churches are still growing. I think church is still growing because there is sheep sharing. I, I, think, I think we go and look at another church and say, I don't like mine right now. They changed the carpet or they're doing this type of music or, or the lighting or, or, some, or the pastor wore sandals. Oh, my goodness. Or any of that stuff. And we're like, well, I'm going to go over here. And we so quickly, so quickly are too ready to leave. But it begins in the heart. It begins when our heart becomes distance from the Father. And I think that's what happened to this young man. And as he gets there and as he lives there, it doesn't turn out the way that he expected. It, it, it's not going well. Like he spends everything and all of a sudden, you know, we see, we see at the end of that little passage, it says, and after he had spent everything and he lost everything, it was all gone. A severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. And then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. Can you think of any worse place for a young Jewish boy to go work than in a field of pigs? And, and so we got to be careful what we long for sometimes. we, we got to be careful what, what, we're, what we think the grass is greener because we might just find we're just in a big septic field. Well, the next step to this is we all rebel. And the Bible's very clear about that. In, in God's family and everything, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have chosen our way at some time. But as God draws, there's a neat thing. The next step is of repentance. Next step is where, where all of a sudden we kind of come to our senses. And, and I love, if you go down to verse 17, that's exactly what Luke says. Verse 17, it says, and when he came to his senses... When, when all of a sudden he looked around and says, wait a minute, this is not the way, this, this isn't good. I didn't live like this before. There's, there's something seriously wrong. I made a huge, huge mistake. And he comes to his senses. Verse 17, he says, and he said, how many of my father's hired hands, the servants, have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I, I think God, one of the greatest blessings God gives us is, rem is memory. 
I, I think that we remember those points in our lives where, where God was faithful. I think those, those, are, those are benchmarks in our life, and when we hold on to those. You know, it, may, it may have been a camp or a mission trip, or it may have been a, you know, a message or something, or something where God just really grabbed a hold of us. And, 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 and through the prodding of the Holy Spirit, I think God just comes in and says, hey, remember this? And, and, and I think that's exactly what happened to him. Verse 18, he, he's come to a census and he says, I'll get up. I'll go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no, worth, no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired hands. See, he comes to, he comes to this understanding that, man, the grass wasn't greener. You know, it, it, I, th- I think we all all deal with short term memory loss. I, I know I do. I, I know there are days there. There this week has just been a hard week for me. My wife's been gone. I have to cook all the food. I have to take care of everything, and I'm just been. Uh, I went fishing yesterday, and I think God was like, "Man, I want to go fishing. This is going to be great." So I researched and <coughs> found a place to go fishing, and there were great beautiful pictures online of people on the bank fishing and catching bass. I'm like, "Man, I haven't been fishing in like years. I want to go fishing." Did all my stuff, got it all together. I'm uh, listen. You'll be happy. Cause let me finish the story. Got all my stuff, drove out to Halochi down there, paid my $3 to get into the management area. I was all, like, excited. I'm like, where's the stinking lake? And so I'm driving, driving on this dirt road. I find the lake. I pull up, and I'm like, there's no shoreline. <laughs> it's, all, it's all grass. There's one little trough. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll wait out until about, like, four steps, and it dropped, like, eight feet. I'm like, well, I can't do this. I'm going to die of an alligator bite. I don't know. This, I'm not going to be out here. So, so I turn around and says, well, maybe there's a better place in the lake somewhere around. So I got in my car, pulled up on the road, and all of a sudden I heard the sound that we hate hearing as a guy on a sound, the thump, 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 thump. My flat tire, front flat tire. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I pull up on the road. I change the tire. I p- jack it all up. It's one of those stupid jacks that you have to crank for like an hour and a half just to get it up high enough get it up, I pull off the tire, I take the spare, it won't go on because I'm on an angle. Put put the old tire back on, jack it back down, move to the other side of the road, jack it back up, put the spare on, still won't go on, so I'm praying like, God, if my car falls, I'm leaving here. Kick the tire so it finally gets in there, bolt it back on. By that time, it's like 9.30, I'm passing out from heat exhaustion, and I'm just like, I give up, I don't want to fish, I don't, I don't want to do any of this. I've lost why I'm even telling this. I just felt bad for myself. But it's been a hard week. And I was just sitting there in the sun going, God, I just, I quit everything. I quit being a pastor. I quit, I quit everything. I don't want to do anything anymore. I just, everything, oh, this stuff. And I go home and I sit down and I grab my, my tablet and I start reading. And it reminds me that God is faithful. And remember last month when you didn't have anything and I provided or I was here, here. I mean, the, the problem is, is we have, that's a long story just to say that we have short-term memory loss. And, and by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit prods us, and we remember that moment, that time when God was real, or that moment when family meant everything, and, and we repent. And all repent means is to change one's mind. That's really all it means. It means I'm going this way, I'm going away from home, and I'm going to turn back home. And the young man remembered. The, the sad thing is so many times it takes us to be at the very bottom of the pig pit to finally look back up and remember what the Father has done for us and how good it actually has been or how good it actually is supposed to be. I mean, I, I just, I just I, you know, I say this all the time. God made this planet to be perfect and beautiful and, 
and everything. And we lost so much because of our rebellion from that. And we've so forgotten, and yet God just continues to chase after us and pursue after us and prod us and, and remind us that, <laughs> that, you know, his way is freedom. His way, you know, that, that the, the young man found out very quickly, his way was bondage. Every time we choose our way over the Father's way, every time we choose our way over God's way, it may look greener, it may look better, it may look more freedom, but it always leads to bondage. But every time we choose God's way, it's freedom. I, like I said, there are more yeses in the Bible than there are no's. And all the no's are for our own good. I mean, don't murder. Good idea. Don't go to prison for the rest of your life or go to death row. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't. I mean, all these things that are no's are common sense no's where there are so many yeses. There are so many blessings in God's word that he wants to bless us with. And yet we always like, look, no, I want to do it my way. And it never, ever works. It, it, it never pans out. It always leads to bonding. And so this young man, he figured that out. He remembered. And he, he makes the statement, man, I'm going home. I'm, I'm, I'm going home. I will get up, go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. He had the whole plan. You ever, you ever do that? I, I don't know about you, but when I got in trouble when I was a kid and I knew dad was going to, mom said, I'm going to tell your father. I spent the rest of the day going like, okay, here's what I'm going to say and practicing it. <laughs> So I can imagine him just sitting there in this pigsty, just saying, I got to get out of here. I'm, I'm going to practice. I'm going to practice. Okay, here's exactly what I'm going to say. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your sons. Make me just a servant. Because just being a servant, just being a slave with no rights or anything is better than what I have right now. And, and so he comes back. But there's this really cool thing in this process. You know, we have rebellion. We always rebel. We all have rebelled. And if God has drawn your heart and, and God is the Holy Spirit and you've responded to that, then th there's repentance. We understand, man, this is my life without God and this is why I need him. And, and, and we come to repentance. But then there's this amazing thing that happens in heaven and with the Father when we truly do repent. And it becomes a time of rejoicing. It becomes a time of a homecoming and welcome home. Look, look at Luke 15, starting at verse 20. This is beautiful. This is such a beautiful picture of what God does for us and how he feels about us. Verse 20. And so the young man, so he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran through his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his slaves, quick, bring out the best robe. And put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fatted calf and slaughter it. And let us celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So he began to celebrate. What, what a beautiful picture of what happens when we answer that call and that drawing that God has in our life. What, what a beautiful picture of what the Father does for us. And, and it's unique. And like I said, Jesus was a storyteller. And at this point in the story, everybody's kind of sitting there going, yeah, I know a kid like that. I know a kid like that. But then he takes a huge turn. Just, and it's one of those moments that if you hear a story or something where you would go, <gasps> I mean, it was literally this important. Because the very first thing Jesus says is that, all right, the young man comes, but then the father sees him and runs to him. Now, what you got to understand is you got to understand something about this culture. 
The father doesn't run ever to the son. The prominent figure in the community doesn't run to anybody. This son had, had blown it, had, had embarrassed the family, had just ruined his name, and just did everything against it. And family was huge back then. It was huge how you carried on your name and how, how you made the father look and everything. And so the patriarch, the father, would never, ever run to the son. In fact, the whole community probably knew what was going on. It says while he was still a long way off, you get this picture that the father was kind of sitting on that front porch every single day just looking, watching down that road, waiting for the day that the son comes to his senses, waiting for him to see him come. And when he sees him, I mean, you don't want guys, even just being a guy, you don't run in this time period. It's very unbecoming. The clothes didn't really work well for running. No, it was it was kind of like you're you're stupid for running. And yet he runs. But he not only does that. It says the father saw him, filled compassion, ran to him, and then threw his arms around his neck and kind of covered up the son. Because the other thing about this culture is that this son, the town would have known what he did to the father. And by Jewish law, as soon as he walked within rock's throw of that town, they could have started stoning him. Because they know he went and wasted his inheritance and made the name, family name look bad. And, they did. And, to, and to protect the father, to like defend the father, this great man of this community, they could have picked up stones and started whipping at him and throwing at him and stoned him literally to death. And it was all right by law. And yet the father sees him and sees him coming and runs out to him and not only runs to him but covers up. So if there is any rock thrown, who's the first one to get hit? The father. Can I ask you, is there any better picture of what Jesus did for us than that? The, the creation that said, God, uh, Father, we're going to do it our way, ran to us through the incarnation of his son, Jesus Christ, and then went to the cross and covered us. What, what a beautiful picture of that verse where he, he who knew no sin became sin. That we would become the righteousness of God. And, and, and it doesn't end there. It's not only this protection. It's not only this running to and, and this rejoicing. It, it's, it's not just the father runs, but the father restores. It says that he says, give him a ring. Take the ring. The ring was the sign of sonship. He say, it said his spill to the father. I've sinned against you and sinned against God. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he could ever get out, make me a servant. He's like, put a ring on him. This is my son. And, God, and he restores him back to the relationship. He restores him back to the family. And there's still consequences. He's not going to get any more inheritance. But the family life, the, the father and the son, it's been restored, that relationship. And then he takes a robe and puts on. And I believe all my heart that it wasn't just a robe on the side somewhere they grabbed. I think it was the father's robe. Again, that picture, he who knew no sin became sin, that we would become the righteousness of God. That God takes his robe of righteousness when we repent and when we come to him and places it over us. It's kind of like what Stu was saying, you know, when we think about like, oh, I screwed up, I sinned, I, I messed up. I, I did, and that guilt, guilt has no place in the family of God. Because it's covered. And so the father restores the son. And isn't that what God does for us? Isn't that really what we long for? Isn't that what we just, we want to be part of a family. We want to be part of a home. This this sense that I, I belong here. 
You know, it's one thing to come to a church and feel welcome. It's a whole nother thing to feel like you're wanted there. And I pray that this is always a place where people walk in and they're not just welcome, but they feel like, man, we're, we've been waiting for you. We've been sitting and watching for you to walk down that road. That, that's, that's the idea of home. That, that's the idea of God restoring all of that in us. And so this is beautiful. And so tonight, if, if you know Jesus, this is what's happened. You're home. I, I told you last week, I said, so many of us are sitting here waiting for, like, I can't wait to get to heaven. Well, why wait? The goal of Christ coming in that reconciliation is for our relationship to res- be restored. And so, no, the world's not perfect, and one day God will come and perfect it and restore it, and everything will be made back. But right now, I can experience that restored relationship. And so if you don't know Christ, man, you are still in a far country. And you're hanging with pigs. <laughs> but, but tonight, if, if you know Christ, it, uh, that's already happened. And that's a sense of rejoicing. The Bible says that every time someone comes, there's a party in heaven. The angels who can never experience repentance or restoration are partying because someone's come home. And, and the Father's waiting there. So, so a home is that. But where does that leave us? Where does that leave us that, that know this already? That like, like a, you know, I've prayed the prayer. I've made a walk. I'm living my life. I'm doing the best I can. I, I know Jesus. I go to church and all this stuff. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live it out. But so where does this leave us? See, I, I believe all my heart that the church should be the place where homecomings happen. You know, I, I've worked for parachurch organizations, uh, organizations outside the church and doing stuff. But I believe all my heart that it was Christ's heart that he created this org- organism called the church. Of where people that are fallen and broken can come, to back, come back, be home, be together, be restored, and then welcome everyone else that's waiting. Looking for the people to come to their senses and come back in. And so I believe the church should be a homecoming committee. But so often we get upset don't we so often we're like oh wh- why did they get to do that or i don't know about that person or i don't know about this person and listen i just i just i just want to stay a small church you know one, one guy went to a conference one time and he looked at the speaker and says man i i don't we are never going to be i don't ever want to be a mega church and the speaker looked at him and says you have no problem with that because it will never happen Listen, I, I don't know how big this gets, and I, I want this to be as big as God wants it to be, and that that's most effective. And I don't know if that's a thousand or if that's ten people, w- whatever. I'm gonna, I'm leaving that up to God. But the truth is, that this should be a place. The church, every church, should be a place where homecomings happen, and that we should look and see what God's doing. Because this is not what happened in this story. See, most of the times we 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 stop there with the rejoicing. But I, I love that Jesus goes on, and, and I think he goes on because there's a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees sitting there and, and, and talking about like, oh, well, see, we're good. We're God's chosen people. We're, we're priests, you know. We, we got it all made and stuff. Don't talk to the Gentiles. Don't look at those people. Don't do anything else. So we're just going to stay our little closed-knit community. And they're all kind of sitting in back listening to this. And so Jesus goes on in verse 25. He says, now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, that is music to my ears. I just want you to know, it always is. He does, he's comfy. 
<laughs> Whenever your kids can't get to sleep, just invite me over to <laughs> preach, apparently. So it works all the time. Now, his older son was in the field, and he came near the house, and he heard the music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Verse 27. Your brother's here, he told him, and your father slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this, your son of yours, came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him? Verse 31, son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brothers of your, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You, you see, the problem with the older brother and the problem with so many right now, followers of Christ, we, we look at this culture and we see all just the insanity of it and, and the sickness of it. And, and, and we get there and we're like, I just want to like, I just want to support. I just want to put a little bubble around me and my family. You know, I, I've met parents and stuff. Homeschool parents have not always been my friends because they haven't always liked me because I believe it's our job to prepare our kids for the world, not protect them. And, and so in youth ministry, I'm always like, no, we're going to send them out until like crazy people. And, and I want I want I want the craziest wackiest people in the world to come here in fact you know i pray my, my prayer always for this church and for wherever i serve is that god send us the people that nobody wants send us those people that everybody else because we we get this idea that like oh i just want to protect ourselves and stuff and, th- and that's all i think the son was doing he's like listen he lost it all he blew it he made us look bad i'm not going to celebrate him but there was a problem with the older son's heart first jesus left us two things to really to really just to serve him, to follow him. One was to love the father. And the older son didn't love the father. The older son had a problem with the father. The older son sat there and said, listen, I've always been here. And and how many times have we like bargained with God? Well, God, I've been faithful. I've done this. Why would you bless them and not us? Why why would you do that? And why why are you doing it this way? Can I just tell you something? God can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants, with whoever he wants, because he's God. And he doesn't need any of us. And so the privilege of just walking and working alongside of him, well, we should be very thankful. And so whatever the Father does in some other place or with some other people, we need to rejoice. You know, when, when, when I talk to my friends and said the greatest explosion of Jesus Christ is happening with, with, with Muslims than in all the history, because they're figuring out that their faith isn't working and that Jesus is showing up. He's the only one showing up in their lives. I've actually heard people saying, well, that just, that can't happen. They don't deserve to know him. Instead, we should be rejoicing. We should be rejoicing when, when God opens a door for us to have communication with the gay, lesbian community and say, listen, we don't agree with you, but we love you anyway. God should, we should be rejoicing when God opens a door for us to enter into a world that has been so closed and so dark for so long, like, like the Middle East. We should be rejoicing, and we should just trust God knows what he's doing. That's loving the Father, not complaining about, well, where's mine? And yet that's what we'll often do. And the second thing is loving others. He didn't love his little brother. He'd given up on his little brother. 
And, and the truth is, is that when we come into a relationship with God and as we continue to serve and grow and, and to learn more about him and he transforms us, we start seeing the things the way he sees them. We start loving the things that he loves. We start hating the things that he hates and we become more and more. I've, my wife has noticed about me that I look at this planet right now and I'm like, oh, I'm so weary of this world. There's so much, so much stupid stuff happening. You know, even now, Lord, just come. Just, just, I don't have to preach anymore if you come. This would be awesome. I, I get to, I'll be a janitor. I don't care what it is. Just come. And she reminded me, is the more I grow, and the more I know God, and the more I follow him, the more I see the brokenness of people. And let me tell you something. If the world out there doesn't break your heart, you, you, need, you need to repent. Because it breaks God's heart. The, the church should be the place, not, not for judgment, but for truth. The church should be the place, not for condemnation, but for reconciliation. And we should rejoice every time someone enters that door. That's about coming home. We, we've already made it home. We're the ones that need to be sitting out there with a light saying, who else? Who else? That, that only happens when we just totally fall in love with God and we just follow after him and we know that we're home. George MacDonald, the author and preacher, says this, God's thoughts, his will, his love, his judgments are all man's home. To think his thoughts, to choose his will, to love his loves, to judge his judgments, and thus to know that he is in us is to be at home. Listen, I just want you to know, tonight, if you know Jesus, you're home. And, and I pray you feel that when we gather. I pray you feel that sense of family, that when we come together, uh, we, we are home and we are family. But I also pray that a longing goes in your heart about all those people that are still in a distant country, still looking for their way. And living in pigsties. Because they've done it their way. That's home. And that's what God made us to be. I, I've enjoyed this series so much. And, 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 and I love it. And, and my prayer. I hope you've enjoyed it too. I really do. If not tough. I, I've, I've just loved it. <laughs> it's been so much fun for me. But the truth is, is you know, we've gone through this whole idea of there's a war within and a war without. And yet Jesus has already won. We, we've, we've talked about eternity and living our lives in light of that today. And I can't think of a better way of ending this series than tonight just saying welcome home. What, what a great picture of the father just standing on that porch, arms open wide, or running to us kissing our neck and saying, welcome home. You know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. We're home. And may we carry that message with everyone else out there. Listen, tonight, I just, I want to give us a chance just to respond to this, just to kind of just sit in that and just, you know, maybe it's just, God, thank you. Thank you for, for letting me come home. God, thank you for making a way because I tell you something it's, it's nothing about a church it's nothing about a pastor it's nothing about it, it's it, unless God draws you it, it ain't gonna happen I, I don't save anybody I have no scars 
It is all done by the finished work of Jesus on that cross. And so tonight, if you don't know that, I, I pray that you would come home. That you would come to your senses and come home. But most of us here know that, and we are home. May we live that. This is a dark place in a dark world, and we are light. May that be what people see. May we be standing on that front porch watching for that road, for someone to be on that road, and to welcome home. Let me pray for us, and then we're just going to have a time. Just whatever God's doing, just, just let him do his work tonight. Let, let the Holy Spirit do what he does. If that's remembering what Christ did to bring us home through communion, it's available. If it's going in there and just praying and putting a thanksgiving or a praise or a prayer request in our prayer area, if that's in saying, God, I trust you, I'm home. Everything I have is you, is yours and for you. So I'm going to do tithes and offering, whatever that looks like tonight, or just sitting there. I'm letting the Holy Spirit just remind us. And hearing that still quiet voice just whispering once again, welcome home. You're home. Whatever that is, let God do his work. Let's pray.